Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the program here in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio at NRG Stadium. It's Texans All Access. Mark Vandermeer with you. Rodeo buzzing in the background. Luke Bryant going tonight. And all these bulls and sheep and other animals. John McClain joins us from the Houston Chronicle. General, how's it going? It's going great. Mark, how are you? I'm doing very well. Have you done any rodeo stuff yet? By the I way? have not done rodeo. This is as close as I've gotten. Uh, <laughs> come over here and and come in to uh, do our show together. And um, I've gone for years and years and years. But unless my wife says I got to go, I don't. And so far, since Barry Manilow's not here, she hasn't told me I got to come. Barry Manilow, time in Every New time England. he's been at the rodeo, I've been there. Really? Yeah. I came when friends of mine from Nashville are here, Martina McBride and the band Perry and a couple of others that I mm-hmm. know. But this year, Garth didn't invite, invite me to the opener. How the dare closer. he? Doesn't he have any sense of tradition? Is Martina coming this year, by the way, or is she like, is her rodeo so. time kind of done? I don't know, but I didn't see her on the list. Yeah, I really enjoy watching her. Okay, let's talk Texans here, General. We've got a lot of things to go over, so let's get to them. All right, so... This time next week, we'll have how many signings for the Houston Texans or how many agreements in place in free agency will be over 24 hours in to free agency officially? Well, today they took Shane Leckler off the market. One year, $1.2 million. I'm, I'm sorry, two, one year, $2 million, $1.4 base, 600 to sign. Not that you know this. Not that I know this since I tweeted it this morning and wrote about it. And... Um, the thing about the Texans list of free agents, there's a lot of them, but it's not a lot of guys you go, you got to have that guy back. Mm-hmm. So I think that they'll like to have Jonathan Joseph back if it's a good deal. As I've said this before, I'd love to see Jonathan Joseph in this organization when his career's over. I think bringing him in here is one of the best moves they've ever made, and I would want him around the players. I don't know if it's as a coach or player relations, but he's such a positive influence on everybody, a true leader. I think there's a good chance Xavier Sufilo at some point will be signed. But I think Brian Gaines is going to make a splash. I don't know that. It's Brian's first time in charge. But if you want a left tackle, really there's one there, Nate Solder. And he's going to be way overpaid. But they could give him $150 million more than Kirk Cousins, and nobody's going to complain because of five left tackles last year. And he's going to be 30. And, you know, Andrew Whitworth's playing well at 35 or 6. And next year when you got a one and two twos, if you still want a left tackle, draft him then. So I'm hoping it's Solder, and I think they'll make a splash with a corner. It is a deep, deep free agent period for cornerbacks led by Malcolm Butler and Tremaine Johnson. But E.J. Gaines of Buffalo, who Brian saw every game last year, don't know what he thinks about him. But I'm keeping an eye on him as well as a backup quarterback. Uh, yeah, Matt Moore. He Matt, had, is that your target? No, my target's Ryan Fitzpatrick. I've said that from oh, day yeah. one. That's a natural. But Matt Moore's two years younger than Fitzy, and Brian was there yep. for six years when he was there. But Fitzpatrick seems like such a natural because he knows the system. He said Bill O'Brien, and they coached him better here than any place he'd ever been coached in 2014. And he can still play. He was 2-1 and one as a starter, and he would mentor Deshaun Watson, and and I would have no problem with Moore either, but they got to get a backup quarterback. It's not, it, you know, we're saying, okay, well, it's not a priority like left tackle and corner, and I think tight end will be, but still, you got to have somebody, and based on what happened last year, you might need two 
And uh, so I can't wait to see what Brian Gain does at that position. I have a thing coming Sunday with, or it's already out on our website, top five I have at each position. Then others, I go over everything I know or think about the Texans and free agency. I do that with the draft Wednesday, I think. And uh, so it's a great time of the off season. You know, we saw each other every day at the combine. That was a great I had a great six days there, a lot of great stories. So I'm pumped about what's coming. Absolutely. So Solder would be your top target for this team? Because left tackle is the position that has to be taken care of, Deshaun Watson's blind side. And if it's not, uh, I think they'll sign a left tackle and they'll use a third-round pick on a left tackle. All right, got to get something done somehow. Now, Derek Newton, right tackle, who's been out – Coming back from catastrophic knee injuries, both knees, your thoughts on his return? I mean, we see him walking around here and everything, rehabbing, and by all accounts, he's doing a really great job at that. But who knows about being able to play football at a high level again? Your thoughts? They don't have any idea. All they know is his recovery. He's worked so hard. Everybody's pulling for Derek. Come back, play right tackle, might have to play guard. He started at both guard positions. I think Julian Davenport is going to be the leader in the uh going into the off-season program to play right tackle. And if Derek could come back and start at any of those positions, I keep saying it's like a cherry on top of a Sunday. It's something you don't know you're going to get, but when you get it, boy, it sure is good. And uh, everybody wants him to come back. It's so funny, you know, with Newton and Dwayne Brown, they have to worry about tackles. You know, Dwayne was there since 08, and Derek started four and a half years till he blew out both quad tendons and, and uh, But they can't count on him right now because they haven't seen him. So you have to move as if he's not going to be here. And if it is, it's one of those good problems to have. Yeah, and you brought it up. I mean, tackle was solidified for a while. When you go from the Eric Winston to Derek Newton era, you felt pretty good about that right side. And Dwayne Brown made you feel pretty good for about a decade uh, so it was something that you didn't take for granted, but you really appreciated it. And now they have to find a way to shore up both of those spots. And you mentioned backup quarterback. I think we do both agree that Ryan Fitzpatrick would fit in well here. Yes, he uh, would. That, you know, by our viewpoint. But there are other guys on the market. Matt Moore, it's interesting you bring that up. And Brian Gain, this is what he brings to the table in addition to everything else. You look at where a guy's been, and you mentioned player in Buffalo, player in Miami. He's been around the block. He's been a bunch of different places, so that could all come into play as he selects guys to play here. The one thing we know, like I get questions, emails and on 610 about getting somebody that has a skill set like Watson, and 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 uh, you don't need that. You know, you need somebody that can play. You know, the offense is flexible. You, know, you had Watson and you had Savage. And Savage doesn't have the same skill set as Watson. And so, uh, and anybody that comes here has to understand you are not competing for the starting job. Most guys want to compete for a starting job, and this guy's not. He's got a mentor. He's got to do like Fitzpatrick did when he went to Tampa Bay last year because he knew he was going to back up Jameis Winston. He knew there was a good chance he was never going to play. Then Winston got hurt, and he started three games. John, you mentioned the Combine and how you enjoyed yourself and wrote a lot of good stories and everything. Now, the Texans... you said that. I didn't say that. Oh. Thank you. Oh. 
I said I wrote a lot of stories. Oh, oh, I put the you good put in there. You put good in there. Okay, yes, okay. I do appreciate it. All right. Well, they were. So here you have the Texans without a first and second round pick. What was the combine like for you going there without this team having a high draft choice or two? I went in, Mark, with a list that I had gone on consensus of people that I trust their opinion, beginning with Mike Mayock and my favorite website, NFLDraftScout.com. Now it's DraftScout.com. And uh, and so uh, I used ESPN. I used Sporting News. I used all these websites and took people off of them that used to be in the NFL or media people I've respected over time. And and uh, and I look, okay, who's a tackle going? It's projected to go in the third or fourth round. And two of them had great combines: Colton Miller of UCLA and Brian O'Neill of Penn State. Those guys were projected third or fourth rounders, and now they're projected second round because they showed so much athleticism. And Colton Miller, six eight. What may end up happening? Yes, you may have shot Orlando Brown, but he can't yep. play left tackle in the NFL. He's not athletic enough. He's slow. He's weak. And I don't think by the time Oklahoma has his pro day, he's gonna his bench is gonna go from fourteen to twenty four. You, know, you couldn't get a credit card under his under his vertical and and you just maybe he can play guard or right tackle. I don't even know if he's nimble enough for right tackle. He's strong and he's smart and he's big and he can engulf guys, but boy, you put speed rushers out there and they just blow by him. Well, is it possible that he's just a gamer, though? Because Baker Mayfield pointed out no sacks, and sometimes a guy in the college football landscape might perform better than he would in the measurables of the combine. What that does when a player is bad or good and you're surprised, you go back to the tape. Mm-hmm. You may have your regular guy that scouts that team. You may tell two or three other guys, okay, I want you watching every one of his games. See if that lack of athleticism manifests itself. Now, maybe the pass rushers in the Big 12 are terrible. Yeah. There's a good chance of that. But or it's not just like NFL if Team Griffin, they're going to have to go back and watch him. They're going to have to say, okay, now, how did he shed blockers when they got into him not having a left hand? Because they see his incredible speed, his athleticism, his strength with the prosthetic, even though he doesn't play with the prosthetic left hand. And – and I and you and me and John Harris were talking at the combine about a position we each would like to see them get that might be a surprise in the third round. Right. And John took that situational pass rusher, a guy might be undersized when the ball snap, he just goes after him. Well, that's the first thing I thought about there. You got a guy right there, Shaquem Griffin. Yep. And uh, and they finally started and, writing Jim Abbott stories about him. <laughs> I noticed. The one thing we were talking about yesterday on uh, 610 was, think how many times he's been asked about not having a left hand. Yeah. And how many more times. And he is such a good kid. He made everybody that asked sound like it was the first time he'd ever yeah. been asked. He never rolled his eyes or was bored. He's happy to tell the story. And he knows he's going to have to tell it again. But he goes from being a low pick. Now they're talking about him in the third round, maybe the second round. I, I don't know if he would. I would not run. All those guys that ran great, I wouldn't run again. What I would do at Central Florida's Pro Day is I would do like I did at the Combine, show him how I caught the ball because he catches the ball better than some receivers. Yeah, and he apparently missed one in the drill, was so upset with himself. You know, it's funny because in a social setting, a lot of people would not ask, right? Most people would not ask. You just wouldn't say anything. 
But in this setting, you have to ask. So it's kind of all out there. And he obviously embraced that. Good for him. He, Great he blew everybody away. I don't know if I've seen anybody captivate the combine, the cynical members of the media as well as teams, the way Shaquem Griffin did. His parents, I've gone back and read everything his dad did to make sure he was on an even even playing field with his with his twin brother Shaquille including some contraptions he did for his hand to lift weights with mm-hmm. attaching a book to give him a flat surface. And it was amazing. And there's a video out there when he was 16 in the backyard, and Shaquille and the mom are sitting there watching, and dad's got a harness to Shaquem, and, keep, and he's standing behind him with a stopwatch telling him, keep those knees up, keep those knees up, while the harness has pulled him and somebody's throwing passes. Boom, 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 boom. He's catching everything. And I was getting tired watching him, and when the dad said, that's it, he wasn't hardly he was he wasn't even breathing hard. So, man, I'd love to see the Texans get him just for the great story, not to mention the potential. All right, John McClain's going to stay with us. I want to get his thoughts on the future of the combine. We've touched on that a couple of weeks ago, but now that we've lived through another one in Indy, we know the contractual situation with the combine staying in Indy and how that affects other NFL cities potentially. And also coming up a little bit later in the show, what's going on around the NFL with free agency approaching inside a week. And I did those top 10 shows on NFL Network at the Combine. Some of the topics, the rankings, I found very peculiar. We'll get the general's take on that next, among other things here on Texans Radio. We continue on the program here in the Hyundai Texans Radio studio. Mark Vandermeer and John McClain with you, the general from the Houston Chronicle. It's Texans All Access. It's great to have you aboard. And general, at the Combine I guess they have it for another year for sure in Indy and maybe another year after that, right? I think they have an option for 2020. So where does it go from there? Does it stay in Indianapolis? No. Is L.A. going to happen for sure? It goes where the money is. Wow. Now, let's be honest. Do the NFL owners really care about that we can walk indoors on walkways and not have to go out and get cold if we don't want to get our <laughs> I care. Tipsies cold. What about the scouts and the, the, the restaurants are all right there where we can walk to them so easily. I care. All the hotels are there and you don't have to get outside and it's great to go to all the bars and meet with all the people around the league and it's only 10 minutes to the airport. When they're discussing this, do you think any of them are going to stand up and say, well, by the way, uh, of course not. They're going to go where they get the most money. L.A., which would be ridiculously, the logistics would be awful where the stadium is. I See, I think that's prohibitive. Where they would have to go, Vegas. And oh, I'll tell Vegas. you, a place that's tailor-made for it, mm. we were there. Cowboys facility in Frisco. It's got a hotel and a hospital attached. 13,000-seat indoor stadium where we were, outdoors where we were. It's got everything you need. You've got it, one hotel. I need multiple hotels. Well, there's multiple hotels around there. In the area. And I know they're going to go, well, Mark Vandermeer wants to walk. He doesn't Yeah, I like to, to walk. In India, I get a, a lot of exercise. And it's drive. Nice. Oh, I did too, and I needed it. And so I believe that L.A. or Vegas will get it. And I think Jerry Jones will fight for it a lot. And however the draft goes this season in, in at AT&T Stadium, that may have something to do with it, but I don't know that convenience means anything. Uh, but Jerry, you know, he'll spend money to make money. And yeah. so if, if it comes down to a money issue, I could see Jerry Jones doing whatever it took to get the combine on, like, say, a 
three- to five-year contract to come to Frisco. I haven't been there yet, but the new Atlanta Stadium, I have to think, would be pretty good because it's brand new, and there are a lot of hotels very close to where the Georgia Dome was, and isn't the new stadium right next yeah, to it? Yeah, but I don't think – I think they want pizzazz. And put money – pizzazz means money. Pizzazz. That means L.A. with the new stadium. When does that open? I think they got another couple of seasons, yeah. In Vegas, I can't even remember when that opened. So if they're going to move it in after, say, 19, the only place they can go that's ready would be to Frisco. Vegas is a bad idea. That's a bad look. You know, you have college well, kids about to turn pro. in there, though. Yeah, I know. I just don't like it for the combine. I, there's something simple and pure and Midwestern about Indianapolis. It is, and it's convenient for everybody right yep. there, but the owners don't go. Right. Only Jerry Jones. and He brings the bus. Was Dan Snyder there? He doesn't bring the bus. His drivers bring I the wanted bus. To bring the, I wanted to get on the bus. Have I wanted you ever to been do, on it? I've been on it. I mean, I looked through the windows. I kind of had my face pressed up against the glass, I guess. It's I like, wanted to, like, do a social media it video It is luxurious, there. as you can imagine. Yeah, I'm sure it's nice. Okay. You, ever wanted, you see it next year, uh, let me know. <laughs> the general will get me on the you Cowboys bus. You and I can go bus. on together. I took a picture of myself with a... Bad cheese face next to the bus. I did that. All right, so we both did this in Indy. People watch the NFL Network. You see those top ten shows. Top ten greatest games. Shows like that. I know you did one this year. I did another one this year. And I wanted to go through a few of these because the way they shoot these things, you know, you see the general up there commenting just in soundbite form on these games. But you're actually sitting there for an hour Comment after comment after comment. And they it's edit all it all together. Dark room with a camera, yeah. and the guy asking you the questions. The camera's over his shoulder. There's a camera mm-hmm. behind you shooting my ball spot. There's a mic, <laughs> a boom mic above me, and uh, it's. It, there were times when the room was so small. When we were in RCA dome, it was like it was like a closet. At least now it's bigger. See, they're doing a good job. Over time. Now, what ifs. You mentioned a what if that they did not have, which is a terrific what if show. Well, or first what if of topic. all, you and I both agree their number one what if was preposterous. Wait, what was that one again? The one about what if Vince Lombardi had gone to the Eagles. Yeah, that's so and silly. And I'm like, what? I've never heard that. You'd never heard no, of it. No. I'd ask other people they'd never heard of it, but they said that they had heard it, and that was going to be number one. In other words, he left the Giants for the Eagles instead of the Packers. They got some bad number ones. I'll go through another well, one later. My, my, yes, they did have some bad number ones. Mine was, what if Jets linebacker Mo Lewis had not injured Patriots quarterback Drew Bledsoe to allow second-year quarterback Tom Brady get his foot in the door? That is phenomenal because Bledsoe, it wasn't on their list. Bledsoe still played well. Buffalo, even in Dallas for a little bit, Bledsoe still played well enough to be a, a very good starting quarterback in the NFL. If he does not get hurt, they never know about Brady, and maybe after four years, Brady's gone. Cut Brady, him. Brady's Cut him. gone. He he's, he's Hoyer. He's Mallet. <laughs> you know? I mean, maybe they felt like they at least had Garoppolo. He's, well, I'm just saying that you know, Patriots, Patriots backups. He's Matt Castle. No, oh. he didn't. Matt Castle got in, and that's how he got the money. So that's a great what if. Uh, I got a good Texans what if for you. What if Matt Schaub doesn't get his foot stepped on in, by Albert Hainsworth 
Week 10 of 2011. There'd be no T.J. Yates throwing the winning touchdown pass in Cincinnati. Right. There would be no T.J. Yates. But how far do the Texans go? Because they were the number one seed in the AFC at that particular time. Right after that game, number one seed in the AFC. Do they hold on for the final six games? What do they do in the postseason? Do they have home field advantage throughout the playoffs with Schaub playing quarterback and a healthy Arian Foster and Andre Johnson coming back for the playoffs and the number two defense in the league and Watt catching fire in the postseason? I Can hate, they go to the big I game? I hate to burst your bubble, but the next year they had all that and blew it. Yeah, but that was the next year. <laughs> that was the next year, General. Okay, that was the Texans' what if. Okay, I got another one for you here from these top tens. Here's a preposterous one. They had top ten greatest games, okay? The number one greatest Ugh. game was Super Bowl 51. Are you kidding me? The greatest game in NFL history is that stinker? It's not a stinker. It was a great game. But Patriots down 28-3 here at NRG Stadium. They come back and win the game. That is not the greatest game in NFL history. Help me out here. I wouldn't have put it in the top ten. And Thank it's, you. It's the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Sure, absolutely. It's not the greatest comeback in NFL history. People listening to me right now know what the greatest comeback in, in uh, NFL history was. By the way, that did make the list. I didn't like that at all and told them. All right, now you tell me this. Better game. The number two greatest game in NFL history, according to the Top Ten show, was the 1958 NFL Championship. That's the Colts and the Giants at Yankee Stadium. And it was a huge game. Overtime, first I, overtime. I think that might be it. But the number three game is the Ice Bowl. Let's just take those two. Which is a better game in the history of this league? The Ice Bowl 1967 NFL Championship or the 1958 NFL Championship with the Colts and the Giants? When you have the two best teams, the Colts and the Giants, both teams loaded with Hall of Famers, and you have to play the first overtime game. And that game put the NFL on the map. Right. College football, baseball, it was not the most popular, but that game put the NFL on the map and started the NFL on a trajectory that made it the most popular sport in the country. So I think that was the most important one. Mm-hmm. I don't believe was the Jets' victory over Baltimore in the Super Bowl on that list. They don't even have it on the list. See, that that was significant because of but is Amos, it the greatest the AFL, game? game? No. No, you're right. No. And They're the, talking of pure greatest what game. What was the third one? The third one, the Ice Bowl. So it's Super Bowl 51. The Ice Bowl was not a great game. But it was a great finish. It was a great finish because of the conditions. You couldn't have yeah. a great game. Uh, Any game that has John John Facenda narrating the, the NFL. Tundra. I mean, that's it right there. I mean, that that lives longer than almost anything in this league. What about the Immaculate Reception? The Immaculate Reception is on the list. Well, it should have been right up there. It was uh, the Immaculate Reception is number eight. That's all right? ridiculous to now, be down that low. I'll give you another one that's down a little bit. Number six, nineteen eighty-one AFC. They actually, I had to correct them, General. They said AFC Championship eighty-one it Dolphins Chargers. It was a divisional playoff game. Yep. I, I know this game forty-one thirty-eight overtime. San Diego wins. It was a great it game. It was a great game. I would have no problem of it being on the top ten list. You know, you think of that game. I think of two things. The lateral at the end of the first half. Oh, yeah. And Kellen Winslow being helped off totally yeah. exhausted. Iconic image in the history of this league. They had the drive as the number 10 game in the history of the NFL. Uh, Elway beating the Browns. That's not a top 10 greatest game. No. It's a great drive, great moment. I get it. Great comeback. Great comeback. But come on. That's not one of the greatest games in NFL history. They should have a top 10 on games that have a famous name like the drive. Yeah. The fumble, the immaculate reception, games like that. Games that have names. The Ooh. choke. 
top the ten show. games that have names. I'm submitting it, General. I want to raise. All right. These top ten NFL Network shows that you see, we're criticizing some of them. Why not? This is what we do. They had Mount Rushmore's. Did you see this one? I did for now, every team. Honorable. It's funny because you can't I really rank. Cowboys. You can't really rank the Mount Rushmore's. Like, who is the greatest Mount Rushmore? But I disagreed with the Cowboys' Mount Rushmore. Let's just start there since you brought it up. They had Staubach, Smith, Landry, Aikman. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. I hate to say it. I took off Aikman and put in Bob Lilly. You put in Bob Lilly. Okay. And I I can't argue with that. But I I made the point. I said, look, I'm not going to stand on a table for this one. But you almost have to have Jerry Jones in a Cowboys Mount Rushmore setting because no, he resurrected no. the franchise. Well, stay with it. And I hate to argue Jimmy for Jimmy Johnson resurrected the franchise. All right, but he hired him, but I know, Jimmy but they won the third it. Super Bowl with Barry Switzer, and Jerry bought the team. And, and look, it was not popular. Fired Landry. I get all of that. Uh, and I, I, far be it from me I to be a big proponent. I thought that $2 million dollars was going to legal fees. I didn't know if somebody <laughs> was going to you. I, I, want, I want to cut. Uh, they had Broncos in honorable mention, Mount Rushmore's. But to me, General, the Broncos are the one team in the league where the gap between whoever is number one on that Mount Rushmore and whoever is number two is the widest. Like, I could name a bunch of two, three, and fours for the Broncos. There's only one number one in Denver, and that's Elway. The rest of them, it's like, eh, it's hard to come up with a two, three, and four that shine above the rest so much. They didn't have the Oilers, but I told them, I said, let me just talk about the Oilers here. You'd have Earl Campbell. Right. And then you got a lot of Hall of Famers. you got you got Bruce Matthews would have to be on there, and then you've got Warren Moon, Mike Munchak, Curly Culp, well, Elvin Bethay, Robert Bazell, Bum Phillips would have to be on it. So you got Earl, Bum, on an on an Oiler Mount Rushmore, Bruce Matthews Warren would have Moon to be on there, and Bruce Matthews. I think you have to have Warren Moon on an Oiler Mount Rushmore. Seven consecutive playoff years. I know they only won three playoff games during that span, but still. All right, Texans Mount Rushmore go. Andre Johnson. Mm-hmm. You would have to have. Uh, first of all, you have to have Bob McNair because yep. he brought the NFL back to Houston when nobody else wanted. Yeah, and until they win multiple he, Super Bowls and maybe like you know, yeah. Sean Watson has three MVPs. You can't really bump Mr. McNair. Everybody he said he was crazy for spending the money and he contributed to the stadium, right. so he would have to be on there. Yeah, Andre Johnson, JJ, mm-hmm. and then one more. I think it would be Arian Foster. That's not a bad pick, right there. I think, yeah, I think you'd have to say him. It's very, it's, you know. Andre, Arian, Up until a certain JJ point, maybe Dwayne. You know, there, there are a lot of different ways you could go with that, that fourth spot. I do like doing these things, though. This is this is kind of interesting to me. Okay, let me ask you something. Okay. People ask me all the time about mm-hmm. greatest Texans. We've already talked Andre, JJ, I think Arian, Dwayne, and then it gets to be who's fifth? Would it be J- Jonathan Joseph? Who's going in? Has been here six years. Owen Daniels, Chester Pitts. There's a lot of candidates, and and I think that the fifth one would be Jonathan Joseph or Owen Daniels. Interesting. Jonathan Joseph signed in 2011. They never went to the playoffs without him. You know, he's been so important to that defensive backfield as a leader to the defense. That's very good. Uh, I think that's that's a spot where you can make a lot of different arguments. You know, I, I don't think Owen Daniels, he's the second leading receiver all time. Actually, didn't DeAndre Hopkins just pass him this year? I got to look that up. He did, and it'd be hard to keep DeAndre off. He's been there five years. JJ's been what? It feels like DeAndre just got here, yet he plays five years and puts up 
unbelievable numbers that rival Andre Johnson's first five He'd years. He'd be right there with Jonathan Joseph as a candidate for the other one. And he eclipses Andre's numbers in the first five years in certain categories. I mean, that's highly notable right there. Uh, there are a lot of ways you can go. In fact, I'm going to save some of that for another off-season program here, you know, because I, Matt Schaub Do deserves some consideration. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Matt Schaub's a top-ten player in the history of this <coughs> franchise. I know that's not a popular thing to say, but look at the numbers over a certain span. Okay, you brought it up. All right, we've well, got we've got Andre and JJ, and mm-hmm. we've got Arian, Dwayne, mm-hmm. say Owen Daniels, Jonathan Joseph six. I mentioned yeah. Chester is in there seven. Um, boy, uh, oh DeAndre's got to be in there. That's eight. Patty Smith popped her head in the door and said Brian Cushing. Uh, he would be in a conversation because Brian. Let's see, nine, nine, nine. I'm trying to think. Uh, boy, Matt may have to. Boy, he may slip in there, number 10. Yeah, he, he better be in the top 10, John. He's got to be in the top 10. Oh, D'Amico, yes. Thank uh, you to Patty Smith. All right, I'm going to bump one of the other 10. D'Amico's got to be there. I'm going to bump one of the other 10. I, I think he's got to be in there. Yep. I mean, you know, I, I am that, that so person. So you bump Matt? I, I think he's got to be a top 10 player in the history of this franchise. I mean, look, look at what – it's not like they went to the Super Bowl. I get it. I understand it, everybody. Don't at me. I understand it. But he did accomplish some things here. All right, General, we got one more segment with you. Maybe we'll clean some of that this stuff fun. up. That was fun. Yeah, that was good. I might weigh in on another top ten or two from that NFL Network show. You know, another one. He's about to go. He's been here six seasons, Shane Leckler. Oh, that's that's a good one. Isn't it? I'm not going to count a specialist. You know, Sorry, Shane, Shane averaged 49 yards on gross last year, and his net was 41-3. And he's he 57 30, years old. He had 58 in, next, in August. And uh, he had 32 inside the 20, which is among his three best ever, and only five touchbacks. That's amazing. One more segment on the way, Texans All-Access. So much to do, so little time. Texans All Access here in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio with the General John McClain from the Houston Chronicle joining us. And, all right, a couple of things cleaning up. You know, we were doing Mount Rushmore's from those NFL Top Ten shows that the General and I did in Indy, and that morphed into Texans Mount Rushmore, which morphed into Texans Top Ten Players. And, you know, we didn't mention Jadeveon Clowney, Mario Williams. There are a number of players. John, we're not going to get this done today, okay? I think we just table this. We say... We're going to do a show maybe next week, maybe the week after, where we do Texans' top ten players and really dig in because Clowney deserves consideration. It's been a couple of really great years. Maybe he doesn't deserve that much consideration as far as all time in the franchise. Ability, yes. Body of work, probably not there yet. Mario Williams put up a nice little body of work here. I know we consider it kind of a disappointment considering he was the number one overall pick in the draft and he did not get that second contract. But you get my drift. I mean, he sacked a bunch of quarterbacks while he was here, so there are a lot of things to weigh in on. You're, you're so determined to get Matt Schaub in that top ten. <laughs> if you have more time to think about it, you'll find a way to get the Brockster in there. Yeah, no, I'm not. I am not doing that. I want to get Watson in there. I mean, Watson gets so much credit, you know, rookie of the year consideration. He wins that award for best road performance of the year, deservedly so. And I'm all about it, man. Let's give it to him. Uh, plays a half dozen games and plays so well that everyone's fallen in love, and I love it. But at the Combine, I knew this would happen, General. People start to talk to me about, well, defenses, they're all watching the tape now. They're all evaluating. They'll be ready for him. He's not going to do what he did. Look, I don't expect him to put up 30-plus points per game. You know, you give me 24. You you give me 24 points a game, I'll take it right now. Thank you very much. 
You know, I don't know what the averages are going to be, but I think he's going to have a pretty good year. I think he's going to have a phenomenal year if he stays upright. I'll tell you what I'm more worried about, Watson. I was talking at the Combine with him and Carson Wentz coming off torn ACLs, and somebody said, tell me a quarterback that had a torn ACL that was real good the year after, and I'll bet you that he was better the second year. Mm. And I said, okay, a player that flashed through my mind was Adrian Peterson coming off his in record time and rushing for 2,000 yards. but And somebody brought up RG3. Well, RG3 had two two ligaments that were uh, torn, and then his problem wasn't health. It was more of, of scheme and changes and conflict with the coaches. That held him back. And then, remember, he broke his ankle, I think, here and missed another seven games. So it was injuries overall. Mm-hmm. And plus, Watson is a much not as reckless as a runner. Right. So, Those things that you mentioned about teams watching tape, he did things, and I've talked about this, about watching on your website all of his touchdowns, and uh, things that he was doing were instinctive. You know, there's nothing you can do if you got a dead beat on him and you're rushing him and all of a sudden he steps to the side. You know, what are you going to do, slow down? Right. So I, I I buy that maybe they think they can fool him in coverage, but so many things he did were instinctive, and I don't. There's no remedy for a quarterback that makes great plays by instinct. Well, also there's this thing on HoustonTexans.com called Film Room, and it's John Harris and Drew Doherty watching game film, and they have popcorn and everything. It's one actually, of the best things on your website. It's pretty cool, and they they did the Ryan Griffin touchdown in New England, and that ball. Would not have been thrown by a lot of quarterbacks. What, what about the ball he just threw across the field for him that yeah. wasn't a touchdown? Now, threw it was, all the way across yeah. the field. And I'll guarantee you Bill O'Brien was holding his breath because you tell a quarterback never to do that. Right. That's one of those. That may have been his best throw all year. It could have been. And coaches have this funny saying where it applies to basketball, too, when you have like some kid like launching a three from outer space and you're thinking, no, 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 yes, if he makes the shot. <laughs> and that was a no, 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 yes throw because – when that ball's in the air, you're thinking, there's no way this is coming down in a good spot. Here. I still think his best play was the one against Kansas City when the guy came free up the middle, was about to hit his right hand. He then switched it to the left. The guy hits his right hand. The guy goes down. He puts it back in his right hand, throws a long touchdown pass to Fuller. Yeah, and I think that was the one that cut it to 26-20. He didn't even know how he did that. I asked him, I said, how did you do that? He said, I looked, watched the film, and I thought, how did I do that? Yeah, well, like you say, instinctive. He's got the gift, whatever it is, he's got it. And layering that on top of hard work. And by the way, the video that he and Watt put out, really Watt put it out of the two of them at the Houston Methodist Training Center. Rehab buddies. Yeah, rehabbing, running. Doing They're going to start a show on Home and Garden Network. <laughs> rehab buddies right after Fixer Upper. They, We saw them in the weight room. You see them on the field. Watt and Watson. The Watson brothers, I guess. I don't Let know. Let me tell you about my best friend. Yeah, that's the courtship of Eddie's father, and nobody knows the song anymore. You know, that's it's the only line. It's I like uh, my kids listening to the soundtrack for Trolls, and there's a uh, song in Trolls. It's a very popular song. It's not the Timberlake one. It's another one, and they harken back to an old Brady Bunch song. And I said, hey, it's the Brady Bunch song. My kids looked at me like I had three kids. Yeah. Who? Oh, yeah. let me tell you what I heard on ESPN this week. It's got nothing to do with nothing. One of their broadcasters was talking about, um, I, can't even, I can't say who it is. It's not Butcher Gross, is it? No, no. I don't want, this was on radio. I okay. don't want to embarrass him. He was talking about the guy whose place Johnny Carson took on The Tonight Show, Ed Sullivan. 
Oh, no, he did not say and that. And I kept listening, waiting for no. him to go, oh, it wasn't Ed Sullivan. Ed Sullivan had a show on CBS on Sunday night. This is the most watched show in the country. But evidently, nobody said Wait, anything. It, was, it, was it Jack Parr or Steve Allen? Uh, I can't. Jack Parr started, so maybe it's Steve Allen. Steve Allen, not as long a run as Jack Parr or Johnny Carson. It was not Leno. Ed Sullivan. It was, it really was definitely big not. Ed Sullivan was the sidekick. A lot of people don't use the sidekick anymore. Do you know, Nobody does. I watched a thing on the Beatles I haven't seen, and the Beatles were talking. They never heard their music when they played live because of all the screaming. We couldn't hear anything. They John had to Paul wing George it. George and Ringo. They had to wing it. They had... Yeah, because, you know, they have things called monitors on stage now. Actually, now you have the earpieces. They're all wired in. Luke Bryan tonight, right here in this stadium, he'll have the earpieces in there, and he'll be lip-syncing, I mean singing, to all his greatest hits. And there'll evening. be a lot of screaming going on, yeah. too. Oh, there will be. All right, General, let's get to some stuff from around the National Football League, and it could affect the Texans as free agency frenzy will get going next week, but... You get some early stuff happening. You reported on the Leckler signing today. What about Kirk Cousins, John? Is he definitely going to Minnesota? A lot of reports out there that maybe the money's not as good for him out there as he was hoping. Who knows? Minnesota appears, based on reports, poised to pay him a lot of money. I don't buy the report that said he was doing three years, $91 million fully guaranteed. Mm-hmm. He's smart. He'll go to Minnesota because he's got a best chance to win and not try to be the highest-paid quarterback so his agent can brag. He's got a smart agent, Mike McCartney. I think that he wants to get him into the right situation. And then what happens to Case Keenum? Does he go to Denver? Um, I could see him going to Arizona. When he was with the Rams, I remember reading that he had two or three really good games against the Cardinals. And does he go there? And then what happens in that domino effect, A.J. McCarron? Then you got Sam Bradford, Teddy Bridgewater. You know, there's a lot of quarterbacks who want to be starters who are going to be available. And now they're talking about the Eagles might listen for Nick Foles. I still don't buy it. but uh, Well, they'll listen to the right price, you would think, right? Yeah, but what would, what would you give for a guy who excelled in that situation when he was protected in the pocket and had two great games? Yeah, I don't know what I would. Would you give up a one and two and a three or a two? I don't think so. Two ones? Because I, I don't wouldn't. think I don't think Foles is all of that. I, I think wouldn't. he's good and he proved that he's good. But you know, you give up a one and a two for Foles. I don't think it's happening. I think two twos, maybe a one. Uh, are you maybe giving a up one. a one? Are you give a one one? Maybe one 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 for Nick Foles, and you'd have to love him at that. If Case Keenum ends up in Denver. That means he's gotten the full endorsement of Gary Kubiak, who's in the Broncos organization. Yes, he is. And how interesting would that be, the man who really believed in Keenum from the get-go and gave him a chance and nurtured him. And I know Keenum went 0-8 for Kubiak in 2013, but obviously he's turned himself into a much better quarterback. That would be interesting. One of the reasons Gary got fired was he went back to shop. They wanted to see what Keenum wow. could do the rest of the year. I think Keenum need, maybe needed to sit at that point. Some places you got to be careful about an arm because the wind blows a lot. Like Buffalo can ask to have a quarterback and throw the ball. Cleveland. But up there you've got the altitude. You may have bad weather. I think he would fit in really well. But his they would have to tailor the system to him as Pat Shermer did. Shermer did an incredible job. Everybody's talking about, will the Giants draft a quarterback with their first pick, second overall? Well, I'm wondering, with Eli not Case wouldn't go there to be reunited with Shermer. I still think the best place for Case Keenum is Arizona. John, what about the Colts? What are you thinking that they're going to do? Bradley Chubb. You think so? 
rush the passer. Chris Ballard was very optimistic about Luck being available for opening day. What about Saquon Barkley? I don't want him in Indy. Thank well, you. If you Please know how, no. You remember how Tennessee started tailoring its drafts for what? On the right side of its offensive line. Um, uh, the guard, Chance Warmack. Mm-hmm. He couldn't handle it. He he was a bust. Then they brought in Jack Conklin, and JJ's been hurt a lot. But uh, I think if you're Indy and you you look to the future of the AFC South, you see Deshaun Watson. We better have somebody that can get after him. And Chubb is the best defensive player out there, along with Mika Fitzpatrick. But they're not going to draft him because they used number one on the safety last year. Got hurt. Uh, what's his name? I forgot. The, the safety was hurt for Colts. Anyway, Bradley Chubb is the best pass rusher, and I don't – Barkley, man, oh, man, that guy's got everything. But I, in my latest mock draft, which I turned in last night, that will be out today or tomorrow on their website in the paper Sunday, I had Barkley going one, and them still getting Josh Allen fourth overall. Malik Hooker is the guy you're thinking Malik of. Malik Hooker, yes. Anything else jump out at you about the AFC South when you're at the combine talking to people? Uh, Tennessee is going to be less active in free agency and focus more on the draft. They're looking for defense, specifically uh, pass rushing three, four outside linebackers for Mike Vrabel. Indy is looking for impact player high, like Chubb or Barkley. And in Jacksonville, um, I don't know what the Jaguars are looking at because they pick so low. They've committed to Blake Bortles. But to me, they've got to do more in their offensive line because they don't need anything on defense. They need to, to work on the offense. They have two receivers, Allen Robinson and Marquise Lee, who are unrestricted. Some people have them taking a tight end down there because that's where the tight ends are worth, worth Sanders and Hurst and Goddard. And so I, I think I have them taking an offensive lineman. All the free agency talk we've been doing, the backup quarterback market, we mentioned it earlier in the show, it's good to be a backup quarterback, a so-called backup quarterback, to be labeled as such because, hey, teams need good ones. It's been proven you can win with them, and the cap went up. The market's going to be pretty good for these guys. As we speak right now, the Texans are $66 million, uh, under the cap. You know, you don't spend all that. But one of the good things about not having a one and two, I believe, is you don't have to earmark your uh, draft pool, which comes out of your cap. Mm. You're not going to have set aside money for a one and a two. So could you conceivably take the money that would have been used in the draft pool and sign two players? Maybe. General, what's going on in the Chronicle? Uh, our mock draft, Aaron Wilson and I will have new ones up on cron.com and in the paper. And uh, he's worked, Aaron's been working a while on a story I think we'll run next week, talking to people who have watched Brian gain through the years and what they think that Brian will do as a general manager. I've got Sunday about all about the start of free agency. Legal tampering is Monday. Tell you what I'm doing this weekend. I'm going to West Palm Beach to watch the Astros. Nice. Enjoy yourself, General. Thanks very much, Mark. That's John McClay from the Houston Chronicle. Patty Smith has popped in as well. It's always great to see her still basking in the glow of the Houston Sports Awards and working the rodeo here. Luke Bryan tonight, as we said. Tomorrow night, John Harris on the show. And John Pagano, Senior Defensive Assistant for the Texans, he'll be on the show tomorrow as well. Thank you, Ryan, for producing. Gallant at Night is next. Go, Texans.